0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America a member FDIC. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello
1: and welcome to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and I'm joined by James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World. Gents, how are we? Very well, Johnny. How are you? Yeah, I'm surviving. It was not the result that was desired, shall we say, on Monday. Chelsea could have been something. West Ham are a side who like to turn up against other London clubs. But in the end, the man who really made his presence felt was Aiden Hazard.
2: I think that's the that's the big thing to remember as much as the performance was another quite mediocre one I think with other than some promising spells in the second half certainly the first half was nothing to be proud of but the difference was once again a man who's going to be playing for Real Madrid next season so he
1: says with confidence yeah. do you, do you think that is the case I'd, uh,
2: yeah from van uh, people I've spoke to it sort of sounds like that's um you know it's as good as a done deal and I think you can tell from his demeanour as well can't you there was obviously all the West Ham fans were singing he's off to Madrid he's off to Madrid when he scored the two goals and he was asked about it in his interview after the game and again he, he didn't quash it and he did his usual thing of uh Glossing over it and I'm focused on
1: Chelsea. Aiden Hazard, actually, he's a proper flirt. He was a flirt as a teenager when he was playing for Lille and he said, Oh, I, all of the top European clubs I'd love to play for, before announcing three months later that he'd chosen Chelsea, bizarrely. And he's been at it ever since. Just say you're going to Real Madrid, Aiden.
3: I I mean, I wish his demeanour was that he doesn't really want to play for Chelsea anymore because that means that that he wouldn't have done what he did to us on on Monday (laughs) night, but. yeah, I mean, there's not much you can do when a player does does that sort of thing against you. Um, I mean, I stood up and applauded that first goal. I mean, it was absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's not a lot you can do. I mean, my only gripe with it uh, for the whole night, really, because I thought, you know, it wasn't a bad performance. My first half was a little bit ropey, but second half, we were a lot better after Pellegrini changed it. Um, my only gripe was, you know, you know you've got a player of that quality in the Chelsea team. So why are you allowing him, particularly for the first goal? I suppose for the second as well. But by then we were knackered. Space to um, pick up the ball in midfield. Like he's drifted into the centre of the pitch. He's then come deep to collect the ball, and he's he's had enough time to turn, what, you know, forty yards away from goal, and then run at pace. And we'd already noticed it when Ogbonna got uh, booked for taking him down early on in the uh, early one in the half. That you know, if if he's running at pace um, towards goal, you are not going to stop him. The only way you're going to stop him is if you have found him and get a yellow card, and you know, by then he he already knew what he was going to do, and he saw the gaps and he went for it. I mean, it was world class goal, but if you give a player that sort of space in the middle of the pitch, you know you're asking for trouble. Is
1: there an element of a fear factor there, where the West Ham fans, West Ham fans, and indeed West Ham players are looking at him and going, "Oh, if a- it's Aiden Hazard, if I try and get close, I'm going to get turned. He's going to make me look silly." Do you think this is cowardice from the players?
2: Yeah, I think Cowardice is strong to be honest.
1: But it it, it is We a... don't pull any punches well. Cowardice. <laughs> we
2: was just watching it on the TV. Now that it's on the TV. Yeah, look at them. Oh, Terrified. I, they're I think weeping. Terrible. The most frustrating bit I think about that is him driving straight through the heart of the defense. I think I I do agree that, you know, he can make you look silly if you lunge in on him and he is one of those players where getting tight on him doesn't help and neither does if you stand off and give him space. So you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. But the fact that he literally just drove straight through the middle. I mean, you rarely, a lot of his goals that you see, he comes in from wide positions, doesn't he? So he draws players out, then knocks it past them, and then inevitably, a bit like Iron Robin used to do, bend it into the far corner or smash it into the near post. But it was just frustrating how he, he did pick up the ball and he bypassed the midfield, which he can do, but then it was just drove straight through two centre-afts in quite a congested area and just dinked it in.
1: The thing that I found quite concerning from a West Ham perspective was that. Okay, it's Hazard, but this wasn't the first kind of goal of that type that you've conceded this season. I was reminded immediately of Callum Wilson for Bournemouth earlier in the season, where he picks the ball up in midfield and drives again through the middle of the defence with Mark Noble sort of running after him, doing his best, but looking like he's got a piano on his back. And again (laughs) then, there was this reluctance to defend, a reluctance, even if it is, James, as you say, a case of just clattering him, taking the yellow card. Do West Ham have a problem? when a skillful player starts driving at the defence at pace?
3: I think that there is an element to that. I mean, you know, as I mentioned before, uh, Ogbonna had to take one for the team and take a yellow car because he was nowhere near as quick uh, as Hazard early one in the half. Um, Balbuena's not the quickest. Um, so I suppose there is a little bit of fear because, you know, at the end of the day, we, we haven't the most... Um, I mean, Balbuena is impressive, but, you know... In terms of you know they're not the most, the smartest of defenders in terms of in, in terms of that respect you, you think Bonham might be a little bit but he has lost a bit of pace over the years because he's played for Juventus he's played up you know in the Champions League you know against some of the best players in the world but I think at the end of the day you kind of you kind of can't really you know you can't really criticize our defence for for not defending that goal in the moment because it was a world class goal. Um, my only problem is that you know he probably could have been closed down a lot earlier by the midfield when he picked the ball up in, in sort of 40 yards out from goal no one about midfield was missing Martin Martino was well out of position Declan Rice was too deep um, and then it allowed Hazard to do what he loves doing and that is picking the ball up with a bit of space turning and then running at defenders that's what he does that's how he's carved out the reputation he's got and he's a he's a world class footballer that's why he's probably going to play for Real Madrid next year um, and it's probably good because it means he can't do it to us again. But the thing is, we've conceded 50
2: goals this season. We're one of only seven teams in the league to have conceded 50 goals or more, and two of them are already relegated. There's teams below us that no one above us has conceded more goals than we have. I think, and, you know, although against Chelsea it was Hazard who will probably be playing for Real Madrid next year and he is You're a...
1: toning it down now. He said probably <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> saying just, getting, jumping, probably
2: I'm saying there. he's playing for Real Madrid next season, but we've been undone by players who'll be playing in the championship next season. Seeded mm. three at home Tuddersfield, which yeah. you know, I was obviously not happy about at all. And I know we got the win in that game, but I think it just it highlights if we needed it to be highlighted any more how much we need to focus on our defence, or just stopping the ball going in the net next
3: season. There's an interesting comment on on our last stream now from Hammerhead uh, 2073. It says Cresswell was too slow. Um, it's been noticeable over the past few games, and I can't I can't really disagree with that. In that, you know, you know, with that goal, especially that we're talking about Hazard's first goal, everyone's focusing on the midfield and the and the, the centre backs. But you know, throughout the game, our our backs I mean, I thought Fred, Fredericks did you know an okay job. Um, but you know he was. You can see the look on his face sometimes. You know, patting the balls when his head, out out of play and stuff like that. But defensively, I think Creswell has been you know quite slow, bit off the pace. Not the player that we you know we remember when he first signed for the club. Probably because of that injury he picked up a couple of years ago. Um, so the, these are positions that we need to fix. You know, we all you know all our focus as fans is is looking at, okay, well how can we replace on Onalovich, Hernandez, Perez in the summer. Um, but really I think it's our defence, because you're right, Will, you know, we've conceded 50 goals this year against teams that we shouldn't be conceding goals against. Um, we need to start thinking, okay, how can we shore this defence up? Because it's, we're okay going forward, we know we're okay going forward. It's defensively that we need to really start looking at ourselves and start fixing in the summer.
1: Do you think in terms of fixing it, it's a case of new personnel or is this a system or coaching thing? Because actually, Cresswell aside, and obviously various other fullbacks aside, <laughs> not least Masuaku, who I know you all love,
0: If we take
1: some of West Ham's defenders individually, there's been quite a lot of praise flying around. You know, Balbuena, rated. Diop, rated. Is it a case of needing centre-halves, or is it a case of actually just looking at how they play together?
2: I... I was just going to touch on that, actually. Earlier on in the season, everyone was getting really excited about Balbuena and Diop in particular, and kind of rightfully so. They did play well, and they looked like they were forging a partnership quite quickly. They've both had spells out the team through injury this season as well, which hasn't helped. But uh, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. I think we at wing-backs, we've been saying for weeks now that we, we need to focus there. Zabaleta's obviously at the tail end of his career. Cresswell's never quite been the same. Um, and as much as I'll keep calling him King Arthur until the day I die, <laughs> <laughs> not everyone else is as much of a fan as I am. And I obviously do understand that as well. He's he's not up to it. And I think the worrying thing is, earlier on in the season, we were all quite confident of where West Ham would need to improve. Be, uh, like At the end of the season, wing-backs is definitely one of those positions, or like both wing-backs. But the as the seasons progressed, we've become more and more. No one was thinking before Christmas. Oh, we'll have to worry about Arnautovic in the summer. That sort of came out of nowhere, and now everyone's focus has gone. Oh, oh we're going to need some. We're going to need to get some strikers in. Perez is doing nothing, so we can't rely on him for anything. Everyone's still a bit unsure about Hernandez as well. So all of a sudden, whereas before it was quite clear, oh, it's all right, we'll only need to perhaps shore up a little bit at wing-back because Balbuena and Diop are going to be fine, so is Fabianski, maybe a midfielder or two to cover up for Noble, but we're fine going
1: forward. It's all of a sudden, oh, actually, there's still quite a lot of positions that need attention in the summer. Where should West Ham strengthen? You can get in touch on 0208 70 20 558 or at LoveSport Radio on Twitter. Coming up, lots more to discuss about the Chelsea game, but also there is the small matter of some Champions League football. This is Love Sport. It's the West Ham fan show here on LoveSport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World. And we're going to talk more about the Chelsea game, but I also want to touch on the Champions League action we've got to look forward to tonight. We'll be bringing you updates throughout the show of both Ajax versus Juventus and the big one for the English fans, Manchester United hosting Barcelona. Gents, how do we see these games going?
2: Well, I was lucky enough to have my friend over from Norway staying with me last night. He's flown over for the game at Old Trafford and he's full of confidence. Foolish... Simply comp- because of
3: Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Barcelona oh. fan then, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, huge Man United fan and he's come over. He's loving what's happened to the club recently, which makes sense. It does, it's understandable because who can't? You know, he's got a club legend doing really well there. I think beating Barcelona over two legs is a stretch too far. I don't think they should even be in the, in the tie anyway because the decision that got them through against Paris Saint-Germain was, you know, questionable, questionable to say the least. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So... I, yeah, I think they got through that in for want of a better word, in a bit of lucky fashion. But I can't see them doing Barcelona over two legs. They're walking the league this season. I fancy them for the tournament anyway. And I just fancy think, Barca for the Champions League I, full stop. I think so, yeah. It was City until last night to be fair. <laughs> but um no, I think yeah, City and Barcelona in the final, obviously unless they meet each other before, but I think it'll be one step too far for Solskjaer and United.
3: I can't disagree, as long as it's not Tottenham in the final, I don't mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um yeah, I can't disagree. I think City will beat Tottenham in the in the next in the next leg. you got back him at the Etihad, didn't you? And then, you know, in terms of United Barcelona, um, as much as Solskjaer's done a very good job at uh, Man United since he took the job, I think that, you know, I think Barcelona got a little bit too much for him.
1: Yeah, and that United form is starting to slip. Oli is still at the wheel, but the wheels are now starting to
3: wobble It's mad, is it. As soon as he gets his contract, it all starts going a little bit well, it's, it's
1: like Adebayor. Adebayor used to, when he needed a deal, he would be the best striker in the world. Then he'd put pen to paper and immediately just have a nap.
2: I'm... Are You are you just compared Oli Gunnar Solskjaer to Emmanuel
1: Adebayor. <laughs> yeah. That's <Well, you> know, <laughs> so you what's you've happened. Got, you've got to think thematically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll move on quickly before I lose my job. Uh, the Champions League is obviously a competition about riches, it's about super clubs, and it's about teams who are the big heroic units, really, of European football. Ajax were that once. They're not really seen as that anymore, but of course they got rid of Real Madrid in the previous round. No one gave them a chance then. No one is giving them a chance against Juventus. But do you think they could produce another upset?
2: I mean, if you're relying on Dusan Tadic. To... Who,
1: by the way, was
2: brilliant,
3: not it, a bad player. No, I'd have him at West Ham.
2: I would, I would, but uh, again, it uh, sounds like a bit of an easy an easy thing to say, but you'd kind of imagine that if your main attacking threat is Dusan Tadic and that's against Cristiano Ronaldo. you Did you just compare Dusan Tadic to Cristiano <laughs> Ronaldo? <laughs> you, you kind of know which, which way it's going to go. Although I did a um, uh, piece in the week on Edwin van der Sar, who's uh, behind the scenes at Ajax now. And he's the, he's the CEO there and he's been talking for a long, long time about Ajax making an impression on European football. They're very aware that they are a, a selling club, but their philosophy is changing that they just want to try and hold on to those successful youngsters for that little bit longer. And I think it's it, it's no surprise to people in Holland that what the Ajax project has come to fruition a little bit more this year. I, again, I think you've, obviously Real Madrid are in turmoil uh, going into that game arguable whether they still are but I think the again once again Juventus Mm -hmm. probably one hurdle too far for a valiant Ajax team
1: the question for that valiant Ajax team of trying to hold on to those youngsters for a bit longer is, of course, very relevant to West Ham as well because there's this issue of Declan Rice. We've seen in the Ajax example, Frankie de Jong has already signed a deal with Barcelona ahead of a summer move. Matis Delict is being linked with making a move in the same direction, quite possibly, to Catalonia. They're not really managing it, which isn't their fault. It's just the case when you've got these wonderful players, super clubs want them... Do you think West Ham are going to fall foul of the same predicament
2: with Declan? I assume
3: you mean yeah. No, Mark Noble. <laughs> <laughs> they were quite lucky to keep hold of him all these years. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. I think there is there. We know how good he is. Okay, he wasn't great against Chelsea on Monday night. It um, got overrun by uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek a little bit. Um, who got the better of him? But. It is no secret that a lot of the big clubs are going to start sniffing around him, and you know, we, unless we're in European competition, it's going to be very difficult to keep hold of players like Declan Rice. And if other young players come through, and we're still in the same position where we're fighting for the top eleven. Um, you know, it's it's going to be difficult for you know to keep keep older players, and you know, Man United or Man City or any of the big clubs in Europe come come calling and say that Declan, come on. It's going to be hard for him. So yeah, we are going to. I think we. I think that will happen.
2: He has also had quotes attributed to him within the last week or so, how saying how he wants to be the long-term West Ham captain and yeah, but that sort of stuff.
3: Yeah, I mean, if it, you know, if he has said that, then great. Um, you want that? You you want your young players to come out and say that? And but at the end of the day, in this in this day and age, in this game in twenty nineteen, the way football is, the way the market is. Money talks, and if, if Man United rock up and go, we'll give you two hundred grand a week. We're gonna go. Sorry, mate, can't match that. Go. <laughs> um, you know, good luck. And I think I think that's that is the long and short of it. And unfortunately, he might say that now. How many times you've had a player go, "I want to stay for the rest of my life," and then six months later, he's off.
1: Well, Fabian Delph, it was six days later. Exactly. At Villa. So it was brutal. No,
3: um, it, it happens, and I think we, we a lot of fans are gonna have to accept that. There is, a, I think, you know, there's, a, there's more of a chance of that happening than there is him actually being, you know, the club's next Mark Noble.
2: This summer, do you think?
3: Because there's been a lot of stories
2: no. come out that were a bit newer. There was, a, first of all, the line was City, wasn't it? But there's been a lot of clamour in the last week or so again about Oli Gunnar Solskjaer wanting to build his team around young English talent. I think it's too
3: soon. I, think, I agree. I, I, think I think it's too soon, and I, 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 not just for for Declan Rice and his development and his game but I think it's also too soon for the club to to be selling a player like that because at the end of the day, the way the season's gone, the club and the board have, have gone a long way in fixing a lot of the issues that has happened previously in the last couple of years since we moved stadiums. And the way I see it is that if they then go go into this summer after what has been a relatively you know safe season, it's been a nice season where we've not had to worry about relegation apart from those first four games, Um not had to you know we've not been looking over our shoulders really, um so it's been a nice safe season for that. so for them to go, oh, we've done all that hard work, you know we've turned ourselves around you know we have bought in a world class manager we've spent hundred million pounds, but let we sold our best young young talent in the summer. The fans are going to lose their you know lose whatever you know lose their heads um so i I don't think the club really uh, they don't know they can't really afford to then undo all that hard work with the fans because they've done so much to try and fix that relationship and they'll undo it all just by selling Declan Rice after what one good season, half decent season.
1: And also cynically, if they hold on to Declan Rice for that little bit longer, they might get more money. If you keep the player until he is that world-class talent, rather than the potential to be that, you are going to get more from whichever club it is comes in. Thinking about players' futures and players whose futures could be away from West Ham... I was interested after a conversation last week to see Arnautovic start against Chelsea and to see him actually put himself about. Do you think he went some way to winning the fans back over? <laughs>
2: I'm not sure, really. I I just think, I don't know about your point of view on this, James, but from my point of view, it just seems, I think I said this last time I was on, was that it just seems like a, a guy, when you hand your notice in at a job, and if you've got a three-month notice to work, then in those three months, you don't particularly pull your weight too much.
1: Do you think Mark Arnautovic is waking up every morning and crossing a day off on his calendar before the transfer
3: window? I, thought, I don't think he's doing that. I think, you know, he knows that you know, there may or may not be a deal on, on the table. I mean, as far as, we, as far as we know, there might not be a deal anymore. Um, I think we've all just come to expect that he's going to leave in the summer, but that might not even be the case. You know, there's no guarantee, particularly the way he's been playing recently, that anyone's going to come in for him in the summer, uh, we—I mean—we're led to believe that, that that deal from China is still there, and you know the the office still open. But you know that might change between now and now and the summer because you know you don't know what's going to happen. You know, so I think he's not been he's not been great. I, I don't know what all the fuss was about Monday night. I didn't think he was especially brilliant. I think he, he, he was better than previous weeks, but he didn't blow me away. I think that's what it was. It was the improvement. Yeah, one. I mean, he ran around a little bit more. <laughs> um, and, he, and he, you know, okay, he had a couple of chances. I thought he'd scored in that second half. Okay, or you lost the first your, half. You went mental, didn't you? Half. Oh, yeah, I jumped off the sofa. Um, <laughs> then I thought it was ruled out because there was a foul or was offside. And then I realised it was two yards wide anyway. And thought, <laughs> that's oh, why he's not <laughs> celebrating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we need VAR for stuff like this. We do, yeah. But... I just didn't. I didn't think. Oh, Arnie's back! Here he is. This is the player we we we, we once loved and and knew all about and couldn't wait to see play. It, it was just like, oh, he's running around a little bit more, a little bit more effort. Well done, mate. Um, so yeah, I, it is what it is. I think if we can get him to score a couple more goals between the end of the season, great. I don't expect him to. Um, I think we are all just waiting for him to leave. <laughs> it's quite sad, really. And and you can got, hear the sadness in my face. We
2: we got to bear in mind as well face, that
3: voice. He's as well as he played before,
2: like this saga, if you like, came came up in January. So where has he played before that? We're actually paying him more now because amongst all the yeah. fewer or he got a pay rise, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe right.
1: I should try that. Oi, I'm off to China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep me. Uh, well, you have certainly got an Altovic till the end of the season and regardless of how he performs, the big question now is where are you going to finish? Seventh looks a bridge too far, but top ten, don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World here on Love Sport Radio for our West Ham Fan Show. And the big question now is where are West Ham going to finish? Currently, 11 points. Uh, 11 points? That would be terrible, wouldn't it? That would be a record. 11th in the table, 4 points off Watford in the top 10. Is that something that you can break into?
2: I know James was saying earlier on about it's been a season that's comfortable and we're not looking over our shoulders I've certainly started to now. I had a Crystal Palace glee fan <laughs> gleefully remind me today that they're only three points behind us and they've got a better goal difference. So we're, we are sitting 11th now. Bournemouth are 13th. They're only four points behind us as well. And although their goal difference is considerably worse, so you could potentially call it five, we've got some tough games coming up towards the end of the season. Palace have still got to play Cardiff and Bournemouth, which are winnable games for them. I think as much. I, I think looking up is probably more unrealistic than than looking over our shoulders. I think,
3: worryingly, <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's quite frustrating. I, mean, I know I said earlier it's been a nice season, so we have not had to worry about relegation as such. But um, it has been frustrating particularly over the last couple of months. We've gone from competing for the top seven to the top eight, the top nine, and now the top eleven. Uh, and I think we'll finish eleventh. And that's because I think that, I think although we've got some tough fixtures, we have been performing better against the the bigger teams as you were, and uh, you know, and I think that I think that you know we, we can, in terms of our home games, that we still I mean, we only got two home games. Pick pick six points up of those. I think we can win both of those games, and then and then we could sneak it back into the top ten, but. I don't think that we've got anything to worry about in terms of relegation. Will I think you know nah. maybe pushing it a little no. bit there? No, no, I just mean yeah.
2: looking over our shoulder maybe finish yeah. twelve or. 13. I mean,
3: it, I mean after all that excitement that you know, okay, we could finish seventh. Oh, it would be really good if we finished seventh. For it wouldn't be really good if we finished seventh because of the Europa League and got to fin- start your season in May or whatever it is, and um, to then thinking oh eighth would be quite good, and then and then thinking actually ninth wouldn't be too bad, would it? And then and now it's like. Oh, you know, we'll be lucky if we finish twelfth here. Mm. Um, and it's been quite of a, an anti-climax to what promised to be quite a, an encouraging end to the season. Um, and I don't know whether you know Pellegrini started blaming injuries and stuff and on, on the form recently. And I get that, but you know, half the players that were injured were injured three or four months ago when we were winning football matches. So um, I don't, I don't really buy into what Pellegrini said on that front. But you know, I think we've just got to make sure that we don't just let this season just play out into nothing. Um, you know, we're we're always, we're always hearing that you know he wants the players to finish the season strongly, but we hear that every se- mm. season of every different manager. It's time I, they did it. Really. I think
2: I think what's important though to note, although it's easy and everyone does it, you know, you look at what position you end up finishing in the table. It's important to note that at this stage, we've got we've all we've achieved exactly the same amount of points now as we did in the whole of last season. So we've still got five games to play, albeit some of them are tough but you you'd hope that there's going to be at least at least 6 to 7 points still left to earn and i think if you look at that wherever that ends up putting you in the table although that is important to look at and relative i think the if we've improved by another 9 or 10 points or 7 or 8 points on last season it's still a step in the right direction, albeit that it might be frustrating if that only gives us a, an improvement of one or two places compared to last year, and we're still bottom half.
3: I don't disagree with that, and I think that with with all that's you know that's just been said, I think we have to look at this season as as a positive in terms of the progress that's been made. Um, it might not seem like progress um, in terms of the league table, but you're right. You know we've got so many points we did last season. Now um, we've got five games still to play, and you know, the work that's been done off the pitch in terms of the foundations that have been laid, in terms of the, uh, the, what Pellegrini's tried to do, I think has been quite encouraging. The fact is that he hasn't got the full squad to be able to really execute that, that plan and that game plan and that mentality. We keep hearing big team... We've spoken about so many big team... Big club mentality. You're not a
2: fan of that, are you? I mean,
3: it's all very well saying it, but go and do it every week. And, you know, I'd rather him not say it at all because... Now we're like, where's that big big club mentality gone when we only just beat Huddersfield? So where's that gone? And it's like, well, you're kind of giving fans this expectation that suddenly we've turned into a top six club when, when in reality we haven't, we're nowhere near that. And it's gonna take a couple more years for us to get anywhere near that and a lot more investment. So but you're right, I think that has you know, we have to look at this season as as progress. Um and but then the summer needs to be more investment, and we're led to believe that it's not going to be anywhere near the same level as investment, which is frustrating. But you kind of got to understand it, given financial fair play rules now and and all the rest of it. So, but if, if we can get the right players in and ship out the the deadwood, the right deadwood, um, then there's no reason why we can't then next season build on what we've done this season. Um, and you know you have to look at that as you know a guaranteed solid. You know, top ten to top eight finish. You know, I say top ten at you know at the very very least because I can't remember the last time we finished. The last time we finished the top ten was the last season at Upton Park.
2: But don't you think that should have applied this year as well? You it should
3: have th- applied this year, um, but then on the flip side, Pellegrini's right in terms of had we not had all those injuries, even three or four months ago, um, you know, we would have. We probably would have won games that we didn't, that we only just scraped through a draw or something like that. Jan Malenko, um Lanzini. If we had Lanzini at the beginning of the season, no one knows what, how we would have got on because um, he wouldn't have had that injury. He wouldn't be a little bit shaky, which I've noticed in his game at the moment. So it's difficult to tell. But you know, I think that you know another summer of investment. I think we'll be we'll be a lot better next season. For you as fans, how important is it to finish in the top ten? Because
1: looking in from the outside, you could argue that that difference between eleventh and tenth is actually pretty arbitrary. What what does it mean? But for you guys, does it have some kind of symbolic importance?
2: I just think that's that's kind of that's what people look at, isn't it? It's what fans look at. It's what it's journalists. 10, it? Yeah, it's what everyone within football, whether you're a fan, a journalist, or an impartial bystander. When you when you look and you say oh how'd you get on last season although I, I made the point just then that we've already achieved the same amount of points as last year with five games to spare and you hope that we're gonna pick up a few more between now and the end of the season uh, you know I, I think people within the club the manager the board they'll be looking at things like that they'll be looking at the amount of points as opposed to what it how that translates into the position you finish in the table but where you finish in the table also equals pound notes at the end of every year doesn't it Right. Like, yeah the the higher up you finish, I'm not
3: sure what the uh what the exact it's like bracket's to, to are two and a half million in a position i think
2: yeah which is a it's a fair old whack, isn't it so uh, although it is it is important to me because we've had the argument before about the race of seventh where I think, well, what's the point of us going every week and spending our money if you're not going to want to finish seventh mm-hmm. and it's also i think arrogant to. Assume that oh, if we don't get seventh, and if we don't start in the Europa League, that next year we'll be really good in the FA Cup, and we'll <laughs> definitely finish sixth, so we won't have to go through the qualifiers. <laughs> Let's be
3: frank; that's not going to happen. Yeah, well, it? West Ham are never good in the FA Cup anyway. Exactly, and
2: so. I think that's what um, that's what frustrates me a little bit about this now. That if we end up finishing, you know, take the points total side. if we end up finishing twelfth this year, say, because I think that probably is worst case scenario looking at the league. Yeah, if we finish twelfth. And our performance in the cup with the Wimbledon thing, it makes that look far more embarrassing. And all of a sudden when you look at it as a season on the whole, you think, Mm, twelfth place out of the FA Cup to Wimbledon, now at the League Cup, didn't do anything in there. It's kind of just another stale season and the the sort of the feeling that oh it's alright, we got six points more than we did last year or four or five more points, although technically on paper it's progress. Really for the fans who go every week and spend the money, that you know, that's it's not all that, is it?
1: Well, it's about continuing to build, isn't it? And improving season on season. And if West Ham are going to improve next season, they're going to need all their best players to still be there. One man you're going to be desperate to keep hold of is Felipe Anderson. But will he still be at the club come next... This is Love Sport. Next year. Felipe Anderson was a massive signing for West Ham in the summer. Not just the fact that that transfer fee could rise to over 40 million quid with add-ons. Not just the fact that he's a fantastic player who'd been really impressing at Lazio. But because it was a statement. This felt like a signing where West Ham were announcing themselves and saying, Listen, you know what? We're a big club. We can dine at the top table and we can sign players who've been linked with Barcelona, who've been linked with Real Madrid, who've been linked with Chelsea. It's been money well spent, eight goals, four assists in the Premier League so far. But now those same European clubs are sniffing. Crucial that West Ham hold on to him. But can you do it?
2: Well, I thought it was quite interesting because this came up because there were some comments this week on Sky Sports talking about saying the club understands that Uh, sorry, Sky Sports sources understand that the club, under no circumstances will they consider letting Felipe Anderson go this summer. And whilst that's an admirable sentiment, first of all, and if that's true, then that's great. Secondly, we know that plenty of clubs have made statements like that about big players in the past, and then sure enough we'll see them scuttle off when a big offer comes in in the summer. But thirdly, I just thought it was interesting when... You compare it to the comments that Pellegrini was was given a lot of stick for um, a few weeks ago about around Declan Rice. He was asked about Declan Rice, and his response, which to me seemed quite pragmatic and honest and sensible as a as a fan, was that well, if you know, if the players, if the offers right for the player and the so the offers right for the club, and he wants to go, then you know, perhaps perhaps it could be done. I think it was an exasperated answer to a question he's been asked countless times since Declan Rice first made a successful pass in training, let alone done anything on the pitch. So uh, I just thought it was interesting how you you get a a line comes out the club about a player like Anderson, who is important and was a big marquee signer, as you mentioned, Johnny. But I think Declan Rice is just as important, but just because we haven't spent tens of millions of pounds on him, he is worth that to us, or certainly will be soon. And, you know, I just thought it was quite interesting to see the difference between the two lines that came out of the club.
3: I think you're right. I think, you know, I didn't actually look at it like that until you said it. You know, I just, I think with the whole Declan Rice thing, um, I don't know whether it was the case that the club perhaps didn't have the opportunity to to come out with that, that, sort, of, that sort of line before Pellegrini had, had, had made his comments. I don't know, but it is a little bit weird that they took a, a relatively different stance on both players um it baffles me how any any of the top clubs are even interested in Felipe Anderson um because he's Real Madrid apparently oh i mean I, I don't think there's any truth in that i mean really are they really interested in Felipe anderson um he's not a, a real madrid player i think you know he doesn't how not, good do you think he is he's Gaps? not consistent enough and you know I was talking to my mates about this on Monday night when I think he got pushed off the ball by, by someone, I don't know who it was, from behind. Clearly didn't know where he was on the pitch and got just shoved off the ball and Chelsea went on the attack. And it was it was frustrating. And a mate of mine said in, in my WhatsApp group, that you know, he was like, he's actually not very good, is he? And <laughs> although I was <laughs> he's like... He's
1: quite good.
3: And I was like, no, he's good, but it's he's, he's like someone said, you know, he's no pay it. And I was like, well, obviously he's no pay it. Um, but there's a difference in that when we had Dimitri Payet, you know, this this is a guy that could change a game, you know, regardless of whether he wanted to or not, he was that good. That you know, he could he could change a game, um, and he just he'll grab the game by the scruff of its neck and and he'll go and change it. Whereas Whereas Anderson has the ability to do that, and I genuinely believe he does. I think he's that good, but. He, he he doesn't seem that interested to be that player that can that can go and change a game. It, it doesn't seem as if he's always that bothered whether he is or he isn't involved. He kind of lets the game pass him by sometimes. He did at stages on Monday night, I felt, um, although he did have his moments. Um, what we want from Philippe Anderson is the type of performance that we saw against United early this season. The type of performance that we saw against um, Southampton away when he t- overturned the game. Whether or not this is a serious
2: comment, we've just had uh, um, someone letting us know that West Ham are a good championship team at best, apparently. (laughs) So, Uh, stop
3: letting Spurs fans follow this account. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) cheers. Yeah, nice stadium, mate. Um, (laughs) uh, On to more pressing matters. Uh, No, I think... I think that's harsh, that. That's harsh. Um, No, I think... The whole Payet comparison is a little bit strong. I do think...
2: Sorry, just to interrupt. I do think Payet played in a better team. The players around him were playing better, which gave him more freedom. So in a weird way, he had less pressure on him because Lanzini and Sacco were still playing well.
1: I think you're bang on, but James's point is a very good one where the thing that was so important about Payet and the thing that made him so exceptional was his willingness to go, you know what, this isn't going our way and I'm going to do something against the run and play and I'm going to change the game. As you said, Felipe Anderson doesn't do that in the same way do you think he's a luxury player do you think he's someone that when West Ham are playing comfortable attacking football in a game they're dominating he's going to excel but actually if you ask him to do something in a game where you're up against Chelsea and you're 2-0 down he's just going to go missing
2: yes and no I remember specifically when Pyatt was doing what he was doing in a West Ham shirt it was quite a commonly you know told story that noble had said to Payet, look you do your thing we'll do your running for you and it, 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 you know buying into that mindset as you're saying there that you you have luxury players lenzini's not exactly the most defensive minded nor was Sacco, really let's be honest but that that trio up front worked really well mm. and that was because noble was playing out of his skin and had his best season in the west ham shirt that i can remember But as were all the other players, the defence were playing well. Winston Reid was outstanding that season, as was Cresswell. So you had more players around them. The balance of the team was better and more confidence at the back. There's no way in a thousand years we conceded 50 goals that season, the last season at Upton Park. And, you know, you had three luxury players then, I think, in the team with Payet, Lanzini and Sacco. They didn't do any defensive work, but it still worked.
3: I think that, I think you're right. Um, I think that season was a little bit of an anomaly. Uh, being the last season at Upton Park, you know, it was there was there was a complete buzz, not just in the stands but on the pitch as well in the dressing room, um, and that then allowed the likes of Payet and, and the rest of them to really sort of get get involved in that and get on board with the whole feel good factor and and start you know playing with a little bit of freedom, and you know that worked that worked wonders. Um, but where Anderson is concerned, you know he's come on a big fee. Uh, he's come to a league he's never played in before. Um, he's very lightweight, anyway, um, and I just think that sometimes he, he's quite happy just to sort of let the game go go by him, and then occasionally he might might pop up with a with a nutmeg. He loves his nutmegs.
1: Unfortunately, they <laughs> don't <impressive>. count on
3: <laughs> the score line, though. Well, Soccer AM did a thing the other day. I remember my <laughs> stat, I Remember my stat a few a few uh, months? Ago, or was it a few weeks ago now that you know he'd made a certain amount of nutmegs in certain sort of amount of minutes per game or something. They've actually got him at the top of the they've got a nutmeg league now. Um, Meg Nuts and uh he's he's at the very top. And he did one on Monday night as well, so he's 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 but that's all at the moment that's all he's good for, is Megging people. And for me that's not good enough. You know, he spent what forty five million quid on him. You know, you, okay he's got eight goals and four assists or whatever it is, but you know, you you should be looking at doubling you know, doubling at least getting three or four more goals. Um, a load more assists. I mean I think at the his first season, with what twelve goals and fifteen assists or something like that, and we pay ten million quid for him, so I think that you know if, if Anderson is going to be at the club next season, he's got to be doing more, much, much more. Because otherwise, what's the point? You know, we might as well just sell him and then bring in a couple more players that can, that are happy to work. Players like Robert Snodgrass that will just you know, you know, run the Reds off for, for ninety minutes and actually be quite effective for ninety minutes.
1: Talking of players who might not be at the club next season, has anyone seen Andy? (laughs) (laughs) This is love. If only his ankles were as strong as his haircut. We're hearing that Andy Carroll is in trouble again and that could be game over for his West Ham career. Well,
2: I think this one is game over now because it's the same injury because we touched on it before when the news first broke how... You know, it's likely that it's going to be the end of his career, and he's got another ankle injury. And will we see him in a West Ham shirt again? Probably not. But it's basically become official in the last week that confirming that it is he has injured his ankle again, and he's undergone surgery to to try and solve the problem, which has basically whether or not it's ended his West Ham career, we can't say that for certain yet because obviously he's still got the option in his contract to trigger another year. However. It is important to note that with that option, we have to give him a pay rise if we trigger the option. It could only be for a pound, but you'd still be getting (laughs) £90,001 every week. So it's very, very unlikely. It's that that... one
1: pound I'd be bothered by. (laughs) 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 It's like that offer that um, Arsenal made
3: Liverpool for Suarez. You know
1: what? I will get so angry because I still (laughs) don't. Anyway, I, I can't see how you're allowed to ignore a release clause, but there we go. The other point with Carroll, is that he's 30. And there'd be an argument to be made that actually on that money, even if he were fit, is he of the quality at that kind of getting into veteran status age now, that actually 90 grand, are you better off spending that elsewhere?
3: I think so. Um I mean, on his day, I love I love Andy Carroll. Uh, I've always loved Andy Carroll. Um But the fact of the matter is if you're not going to be fit for... 80% of the season at least, 75 percent of the season at least, then you, you're
2: this. Now, you did have someone arguing his cause for you, didn't you, recently? Was it
1: Andy
3: Carroll's mum? <laughs>
2: <laughs> didn't you have someone yeah, arguing that?
3: Yeah, I had um, one of my uh, my writers at West End World, Adam Leatherbarrow, he's probably listening now, um, he said he was going to call up, but he hasn't yet. Um, maybe Wind him up. Uh, I mean, Adam, if you are listening, you need to call up and, and justify this because I don't know what you're talking about. But he mentioned me last night and said, I think I think we need to offer him a new deal. We need to give him a chance. Um, we need to pay him uh, half of what he's on or, or reduce his wages and then pay him and keep him fit and play him uh, because the chances are, and it'd just be our luck, that we will go and sign up the Tottenham and score a lot of goals. Um, <laughs> and, and for me, I mean, I, I can see... See his, his rationale. I mean, I don't I don't think Tottenham are really that interested in in Andy Carroll these days, um, but I can see his, his his thinking in that. But at the end of the day, for ninety grand, and giving, you know you know that that's we can put that on a player that's going to be fit and it's going to you know why don't we give half of that money to Declan Rice to time down for another five years? Um, so I just I, I think as much as I love him, his time's up at West Ham. And, you know, at the end of the day we haven't really missed him this season. I think even if he'd fit he'd been fit for every game I don't think we've made that much of an impact because of the way we play under Pellegrini. So What's the point of keeping him?
1: Yeah, and you could be forgiven for forgetting that Carroll was even a West Ham player at all. Uh, We've just had a text into the show saying Andy Carroll is a donkey, now he is a lame donkey. With that in mind, whether or not that might be slightly harsh... It's a bit rude. Carroll hasn't played very much football. And the point of, you know, he could go to a Spurs, he could score goals for a Spurs. Is a Premier League club actually going to take a punt on Andy Carroll?
2: Well, I must admit, first of all, Spurs have got plenty of other players in white shirts with the chicken on the front who will score goals against West Ham. And they've already so. got lumps in the form <laughs> of
1: Fernando Llorente.
2: Exactly. I I don't think we, you know, if Andy Carroll goes and signs for them and pulls on a shirt that if he doesn't do that, that Spurs aren't going to score goals against West Ham next season. But you mentioned that earlier on, James, about the you think he's going to go championship. And I, I don't think that's true. I think there's still teams in the Premier League... Certainly in that bottom six or the projected bottom six him next him season. Rocking up
3: at Burnley with a Peter Crouch. It literally something like that, yeah. It <laughs> may
2: be a Brighton I know sort of Houghton's style isn't exactly you know, it isn't exactly ticky tacker pressing football, is it, as much as the uh, the players they've signed would suggest that it was going to be. You could easily see him in a Brighton shirt, couldn't you? Or You could
1: see him at Leeds if they came up.
3: Potentially, yeah. Uh, I mean
1: But it's gonna be that it, bottom
3: six. Is he a BLC player?
1: I'm not too sure he's a BL supplier. Ba- back to Newcastle, even. Land of his father's. Potentially.
2: Think... Or America. You said America earlier on, didn't you? I don't think China, but I could see him in LA,
3: couldn't you? I could see him in LA. I mean, his <laughs> missus would love to go to LA as well, I'm sure. Do you
1: reckon they'd just ask him to grow a beard and pretend that he was Ibrahimovic? Like, no, <laughs> he's definitely the same guy. Just sound a bit more Swedish, Andy. It'll be fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I could definitely see him in an LA shirt or Miami. I'm not sure about a... Um, Shanghai SIPG or Guangzhou Evergrande or something he, like that. Is he I going
1: to Miami? I mean, if you're David Beckham and you've got your new club and you want to sign your fashionable player to announce yourselves on the world stage, is Andy Carroll going to be your first point of call? Yeah, he's got he's got that
3: those long locks. It's true. Likes a um, night out, so lo- Florida loves, could be loves good. a night out. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think you know. I can I can I can see it now. In about you know. Six to eight months' time would be Andy pitching a daily mail of Andy Carroll
1: and Wayne Rooney and
3: Wayne Rooney and david Beckham all out on the all out on the on the raz in America living the dream <laughs> you know all just you know wasting you know the millions on Grey Goose. <laughs>
1: Other brands of vodka are available, of course. Uh, and you shouldn't be drinking any of them, particularly if you're listening to this show, because we're very responsible. Is there any ill feeling at all towards Andy Carroll from the West Ham faithful?
2: Certainly not from me. No, no. No, no. definitely not. I think what he has done when he's been on the pitch in a West Ham shirt will be remembered forever. If the, my overriding feeling towards him, I don't know about you, James, but my overriding feeling is one of... It's almost pity, really, and I just feel I just feel gutted because he hasn't played anywhere near as many games as, as we would have liked to see him. And I genuinely think that there was a period of time, wasn't there, where he was playing week in, week out, where he was the linchpin of our team. You got so excited when he was back. Mm. You knew he was going to score. You knew even if he didn't, he was going to give the opposition... Such a tough He's game to and he was deb- going to give him hell. Going to
3: break a few noses, wasn't he?
2: Yeah, that's it. And it just made the opposition defenders scared. They were always, oh, here we go. We've got another 90 minutes up against this guy, just getting smashed around for, for 90 minutes. And he did. He brought something to the team. He was, he was a focal point and he was great. And I love seeing him in a West Ham shirt. I do think the time's up now, though, and it, that is a shame.
3: Yeah, I love him. Um, as I've said before, um, I'll always have a place in my heart for, for Andy Carroll. Um, just because he's he has scored some quite important goals for us in the past. Uh I'll always remember that trick against Arsenal. Yeah. And the last season the last season at some park. Um his million goals Our producer, Swansea. by
1: the way, is an Arsenal fan and he's just broken down in tears. Lol. So thank you for that. Um yeah.
3: I mean I mean I mean the thousand or a million goals he scored against Swansea in his career, most of them for us. I mean he loved to go against Swansea, didn't he? It's that bicycle um, kick against the the Paris. Pass, exactly. Oh, the Chelsea um, goals. The Chelsea them. goal. yeah. I mean, he's he's had some fantastic moments for us and it's just been really really unfortunate for him that he's had these injury problems and I think okay he loved his social life and you know and that probably hasn't helped but I think a lot of the time a lot of people forget that it's not his fault that he's got these ankle injuries you know I think that one that it left him out for like 9 or 10 months that was an injury that basketball players get mm. um a complete freak football injury uh, and that's not his fault it's just the way that he is the way that he plays um and it just you know he just happened to pick up this freak injury. Uh but a lot of people, you know, they blame him and, you know, they moan about him and they call him, you know, horrible names and and I And it's like, well, hang on, you know, this is a guy that is making a living out of football. I can although there are these rumours that he doesn't particularly like football, you know, at the end of the day, I think he'd prefer to be on the pitch than being being the stands, regardless of what he's earning. So I don't blame him, you know, I don't hold any Ill feeling towards him, you know. I wish him all the best when it, when he does leave the club, and you know, it's just a shame that it, it didn't really work out.
1: Yeah, and you know, ankle injuries are some of the most common injuries sustained by horses. So he's not on his own; it's just, it's just bad luck. <laughs> Bit uh, rude. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Poor old. Daddy. Have you not seen the video of the horse? heading the massive football along with vaguely good control and someone tweeted it with the caption Andy Carroll's been working on his first touch
2: this could be the end of this man's career at West Ham United it's just an emotional time for all the fans and certainly for the player and you're comparing him to a horse
1: have you seen him run (laughs) yes (laughs) in terms of destination then where do you think he'd go we've had various clubs mooted you're saying he's better than championship level
3: well I I think I can't and I know Will said that he's better than championship level but I I just don't see uh, another Premier League club at this moment in time given his recent injury record regard forget his past injury record his recent injury record I can't see anyone that going because he's going to be it's going to be relatively expensive and I think when you're in a when you're in a relegation battle cuz I think that's if he does stand in the Premier League that's where he'll be um that's an expensive signing to make when Uh, there's no guarantee he's going to be fit. Whereas a Championship club chasing promotion, you can take that gamble, really, can't you? Because you're chasing promotion, I think they could probably afford afford him.
1: Yeah, he'd have been perfect for sort of a Huddersfield if they'd stayed up. You'd have thought, if he goes out the door and Arnautovic leaves, that's a couple of gaps in that West Ham squad. And in just a moment, we'll be talking about who the new strikers should be. Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio and just a quick reminder that we are underway in the Champions League action for the evening. It's Ajax nil Juventus nil and United nil Barcelona nil. We'll be bringing you updates from those games throughout the show. And also, we've got Championship action for you as ever here on Love Sport Radio with a London focus. We'll be bringing you updates from Brentford versus Ipswich Town, Millwall versus QPR. That's a massive game down the bottom of the table. And, of course, for a top versus bottom clash, Norwich City against Reading. Still 0-0 in all of those games. Uh, and we've heard the sad news this week from a West Ham perspective that Lionel Scaloni, the former West Ham player, is in hospital.
2: Yeah, he's uh, he's just come out, but he, he had a bicycle accident in Mallorca. He was riding his bike along the road and... And a car hit him. There's been no confirmation yet whether or not that was a West Ham fan still angry about the 2006 <laughs> FA Cup final. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't botched clearance. But um, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's a little bit smashed up, and he took to social media in the week to to show his show his injuries. But um, yeah, he's also the manager of the manager of Argentina at the moment as yeah, well.
3: Been in charge since November. Mm. Well, see, I, I can't believe that. I, gen- I mean, I only found that out about two months ago. And uh, I thought, what? He's managing his national team when... He couldn't clear clear the ball properly in an FA Cup final, or let it go out for a goal kick. Or, probably, or let it go out probably, for a goal kick. Probably
1: doesn't affect and your ability as a manager, I, I, though. I mean, well, if we well, you don't
3: know, I mean, if you can't do that, as you meant to pass that on to, to, to some of the best players in the world, playing Argentina. Well, I mean, we if could, I was Lionel Messi, I would be like a. You're <laughs> managing me <laughs> when you couldn't do that in the 2006 Sh- FA Cup final. Well, I'm What's sure. I'm sure Lionel Messi was glued I, to his TV I for saw, the 2006 FA Cup final. I saw what Teddy Shering. I, I heard what Teddy Shering said about you. You're not managing me.
1: Well, I think I think you could take the Gareth Southgate example, couldn't you, where his most famous moment from his career was in an England shirt. It was missing a massive penalty. That's a good point. When he was appointed manager of the national team, lots of people, not least me, went what are you doing? And look at us now. I want him knighted. He looks great in a waistcoat and all of that. Uh, Yeah, Scaloni still... People remembering, shall we that,
3: say. Maybe in that they, FA maybe cup they final. should just stick Scaloni in a waistcoat and I yeah, might like warm to him a bit. I don't know. <laughs>
2: Let's be honest, though, Gareth Southgate's penalty miss was nowhere near as bad as oh, Lionel Scaloni's not. botched clearance. He so. could have
3: won the FA Cup if it weren't for him. But I hope he makes a, a, yeah. a full and quick recovery. <laughs> yeah. This
1: yeah, that said, all the best to him and hopefully he is back running before too long. In terms of transfer news surrounding West Ham, Maxi Gomez of Celta Vigo, the striker, is one link that's just not going away.
2: No, he 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 came up again this week, and he's been asked um, by a journalist in Spain whether or not, like, asked about his future, and in sort of Eden Hazard fashion, really, he came out and said, "Oh, I can't really." You know, I can't say either way and I'm I'm focused on... So being a flirt then, again. I I think it was more, it's difficult to say at this stage, no one knows what's going to happen. And I think that is one, you know, we've covered a lot of stories, didn't we, in January about who might come and who we're interested in, including Peer Tech, who's gone to tear it up for AC Milan.
1: He, (laughs) He is. Dirty. He's a, <laughs> he's a proper centre-forward.
2: And obviously, you know, but this is one that, that keeps coming up and keeps coming back. And I think by the sounds of it, the style of player is he's quite robust. He's quite an aggressive attacker. And I think he would, you know, there is that, those comparisons being made to it, and that is something that, that you know, sounds like it might be have more legs than some of the others.
3: The fact this rumour isn't going away and uh, has seemed to be going on for about nine years now, um, makes me think that it's never going to happen. It's it. It reminds me so much of the whole Batchwi and Lacazette summer when we, you know, David Sullivan. I know he hasn't come out this time because he learned his lesson from last time. But oh, we're going to spend forty million quid when we want Lacazette, we want Batchway, we went are forever, and then we never got neither. And then both of them went into time for top four clubs and did pretty well. And there are other clubs interested in
2: Gomez as yeah, well. I think yeah. Everton have got quite a strong interest and I think there's a few other teams who who would certainly have him if they could.
1: If this kind of Aiden Hazard style flirting with other clubs was being done by a West Ham player. Let's say it was being done by Felipe Anderson. Would that annoy you? Because I find all this posturing for the benefit of other clubs quite hard to take. It's not acceptable in other walks of life, right? If I went to a party with my girlfriend and a bloke came up to her and said Hi could I take you out to dinner? And she said, well, you know, I'm unable to commit to that at the moment. I'm currently with Johnny. I'm happy there for now, but come the summer, I'll be open to something." What are you doing? You're, you are a Celta Vigo player. Commit to Celta Vigo. To you're, be fair. You're Johnny's girlfriend. Uh, I, honestly, if she's listening, i have in so much trouble.
3: <laughs> to be fair, I mean, we did a, 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 quite a similar thing with Arnout Rich in, in January, didn't exactly. we? And, and, Bedroom yeah, eyes China. The fans are annoyed um, and he was flirting heavily with China then. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, someone, someone like Maxi Gomez, he knows how good he is, and he knows the interest. His agent would have been talking, um, and so he's probably he's probably going. He's probably said that just going. Look, I don't know. Where I'm going to be, but I'm available. Yeah. C- come and get me.
2: And I think with someone like Hazard as well, he he can do it because he'll be forgiven anything at Chelsea because he's still by far and away their best player at the moment, and he's done some outstanding things for that club for the last however many years that he's been there. He's, yeah. he's one of those where whatever really happens now, it, it sounds like it's probably going to be Real Madrid, which everyone kind of forgives anyone who goes and signs for Real Madrid anyway. Mm. And I think he's done so much for the club. Chelsea fans love him. He's given Tottenham a few digs along the way as well, which, which buys him a lot of favour with people. And I think if it's someone like that who has paid their dues at the club and earned their money, as Hazard has repeatedly and for a long time, yeah. he could have left last season as well, couldn't he, realistically? Yeah.
3: The... I think I think a lot of people forget as well that Maxi Gomez on on that front he he said in January that he he wanted to stay at Vigo to try and keep them in La Liga yeah fair he wanted play to stay him. so I think I mean if he is flirting now then you can't I mean if I was a Vigo fan I'd go well do you know what he did say he didn't want to leave James, he wanted to save us and they are so, looking safe by and the way. they're looking safe so therefore do you know what. Um, he's got every right to start, you know, looking a little bit towards the head for the future and sort of trying to sort of wangle his move to the biggest club he can possibly sign for in the summer. They could so, be in trouble
1: though, Celta because both him and Iago Aspas have been saying, "Listen, I'll keep you up," and then
3: yeah, you know. but they've done that. So if they can if they can recoup a, a nice a nice fee for the two of those, then they can then reinvest that and then you know go again next season. And um, I just think, you know, if if I was a Celta big fan, I'd be like, okay. You know, he's done. He's done what he said he would do. He didn't he? Could have left us in January. I mean, he could have easily left in January. We could have signed him. We were quite prepared to activate the release clause and and go right. Let's go now. He said no. I want to stay. I want to keep them up. He's done that. So he's got. I think he's got every right to be publicly flirtatious towards a potential move elsewhere.
2: You know what I find interesting, though. I mean, you say that, Johnny. What Celta Vigo had, I think two points clear of the relegation zone in La Liga at the moment. So there's every chance they could still go down. And I often find it, I've had a few conversations recently with people about um, players that West Ham should be signing, should be signing in quotes in the summer, and talk about, you know, mind-sweeping from the teams that go down. Obviously, Fulham, we've got Sessignon and Seri, Huddersfield, Aaron Moy. That's it. Um, but my, my view on it is, is kind of, well, they've gone down with those teams. And granted, it's not all their fault. But I just wonder if it if it's different. If this guy does end out, if Gomez does end up going down with Celta Vigo, is he is he in a better or worse than Mitrovic, for example? Like, who would you who would you rather have? But Mitrovic has been proven in the Premier League.
1: I think you'd take Mitrovic.
2: I'd you take. Think? I
3: mean, yeah, you're right. I would take Mitrovic, and the, the reason why is one, he's proven in England, um, and I think put him in. I mean, he showed it at Newcastle in the in the championship you know put him in a in a team that's you know performing very well and he'll score goals um put me in a relegation threat outside and you know he might struggle every now and then. So I'd take him over Max Gomez just because of the experience.
1: No, I think you're bang on. A quick old goal update from Griffin Park. It's Brentford one Ipswich nil neil more pay. Who else could it have been giving the Bees the lead there? And the other transfer rumour for West Ham, which isn't going away, is Declan Rice to United. We'll be talking all things United in just a moment for our opposition view when we speak to Matt Beadle, who's a sports journalist and United fan. Sport this is- Next up for West Ham, it is Manchester United, who are of course in action at the moment. Still nil nil at Old Trafford as they take on Barcelona in the quarter final of the Champions League. I'm delighted to say we are joined on the line by Matt Beadle, who's a sports journalist and Manchester United fan. Evening, Matt. Thanks ever so much for joining us. First of all, how do you rate United's chances this evening?
0: Uh- well, pleasure to be on, Chats. I think if you'd asked me a month ago, I would have said that we'd give Barca a decent game. Look, the Champions League is it's always a one-off. Any cup competition is. But when you're playing a Barcelona side that is as strong as this and you've got someone like Lionel Messi in that front three, I mean, look, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult. I've been watching the first ten minutes and, you know, Rashford just had a good chance with a free kick. But it's it's going to be tricky, especially playing at home first.
2: Matt? Just to switch on to the the game at the weekend, which I'm sure you thought was a bigger game uh, than the Barcelona one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just, I, also, all I'm hoping for at the moment really is that perhaps you'll be a little bit tired from tonight. Hopefully, you'll still be in the tie, so you'll need to save some players for for Tuesday, and that that will mean you take your mind off of off of the home game against us. You've got some big games in the Premier League. Coming up after that, you've got Everton, City and Chelsea, your next three after us. Is there anything else that I can hold on to that means we might get something out of the game? <laughs> yeah, any more well, straws?
0: Think, yeah. <laughs> to, to be honest, I think that if you just look at United-West Ham over the years, especially late season games I think we've seen before, one harks back to 1992, obviously when you guys were relegated, but you beat United and essentially messed up those title plans when Leeds just pipped United to the title. We saw it in 1995, obviously, uh, the final day of the season when Ludic McClosco decided to go absolutely bonkers and foil every <laughs> shot. Andrew Cole threw it at him. Um, and, you know, there's history, right? I mean, there's history from uh, the semi-final in '64, I seem to recall. That that one, from, from reading up on it, obviously, West Ham tend to get results against United. I mean, you haven't won at Old Trafford in a long time. So, again, that was a... a last day of the season one, wasn't it? Carlos Tevez. Yeah. So I think the fact that the United-West United Ham rivalry is always so strong, I think you can hold on to that. And look, we should win at Huddersfield on the penultimate day. I think the relegation battle will be over come the end of the season, so we should beat Cardiff. It's just these immediate fixtures, starting with you guys on Saturday, because we then go to Everton, who look like they're picking up a bit of form, and we host City and Chelsea. So, you know, while it's a cliche, I think it's all really to play for for us. I think what we can hold on to from a United perspective is that since the turn of the year, you'd probably say United and West Ham have had contrasting fortunes, in a sense. you know we've, we've kind of kicked on under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yes, it hasn't gone that well in the past few months. But I think when you look at West Ham's fixtures, pretty much since the Arnautovic debacle, really, it's been a bit up and down for you.
1: Absolutely, and there's some bad news for United, I'm afraid, Matt. Just coming through. It's Barcelona one, United nil through Luis Suarez. How big is that in terms of an away goal for the Catalonians?
0: What a way to hear about it! Um, and Luis oh, Suarez, it's a, a Luchador
1: own goal. I'm being told.
0: Oh, is it really? Um, well, it's massive. It's massive. The fact that they they've scored an away goal. I think we can cling on to the fact that PSG won two nil at Old Trafford, and then. You know, went to the Parc de France in what was an incredible evening. And actually, like I said at the, at the top of this interview, if you'd asked me a month ago after that game where we'd be now, I, I'd, I'd be very comfortable. But the fact that results have dipped somewhat since then, and there's lots of theories about the fact that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has now been given the job permanently, and that's why players are perhaps dropped. I don't think I'd buy into that. I think I was always looking for a result, that while we had that manager bounce, and then while he went on and beat, we beat Spurs and everyone said, okay, maybe maybe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer actually has got something as a manager. You know, I always champion on on the show, especially in Love Sport, when I've spoken to Richard Lee and David Chigi and Dave Siegel. And we, I said the fact that Michael Carrick and Mike Finan and Kieran McKenna are very, very integral in what United are doing right now. Yes, oligona Solskjaer is a key part of it, but those three are huge. So as long as they stay part of the coaching staff, I think things will look up. But in terms of that Luis Suarez goal, yeah, it's an away goal. And, you don't want to concede against Barcelona, full stop. But to concede an away goal in the Champions League first leg against Barcelona, no, that's uh, that's not good.
3: Matt, what's the the priority here um, in terms of? I mean, is it Champions League? Is it finishing the top four? I mean, it's a very difficult dilemma, um, and from 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 our point of view, a lovely dilemma to have. Um, but you know, you're sixth in the in the table. Uh, huge possibility of not even finishing the top four. Um, but then you're you're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. I mean, where where do you think the, the the priority is for Solskjaer and 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 many United players?
0: I think the priority was the FA Cup. I think when he came in, fourth place was a long shot. But the fact that United went on that run, it suddenly became an actual realistic possibility. I don't think Champions League was uh, a priority. I think it very much was the FA Cup. But then losing to Wolves. Skewed all of that and has kind of skewed those priorities. So, for me, pers- on a personal point of view, domestic success has always outweighed anything else. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to see Manchester United win the Premier League because that's your bread and butter. and I would say, if you ask most Harden United fans, they would say the same thing. And the top four is is a bit of a stickler for me because, again, I don't necessarily agree with the way the Champions League is and the fact that you can finish fourth place and then go into a league of champions and potentially win it next season and call yourself the champions of Europe. I don't Mm -hmm. agree with that. And I think that Spurs are very much almost binning off the premier league in a sense and focusing purely on the champions league. Mm. There's a whole aspect of football within that, that I don't agree with, but I think the priority as things stand for Euron Solskjaer is to finish fourth so they can get into the champions league for next year.
2: Matt, so looking forward to the game at the at the weekend. Then is are you just as confident as as most United fans seem to be that West Ham haven't really got anything to worry or to worry you, and that you're it's going to be a bit of a walk in the park?
0: I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park. I don't think a game against West Ham is always a is ever a walk in the park. I think that Fernandez coming back to Old Trafford will be tough, tough to take, tough to watch. Um, and you only have to look at the game at the start of the season where you absolutely annihilated Man United. And look, interestingly, United came back after that, which is, again, a strange one. You know, we beat Juventus, we drew with Chelsea, we, we had that game against Newcastle where we, we came back from two goals down on 1-3-2. So mm. there was a bounce after that game. But, I mean, we know now that was purely a case of paper, papering over some you know, rather treacherous cracks under Mourinho. But, um no I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park and like I said I think the fact that West Ham tend to I'm not going to say you treat it as a cup final against United I don't want to offend anybody but I think there is always that extra incentive I mean you only have to look at the, the last game at Upton Park to see that
3: Matt what do you think of the the whole uh, links with Declan Rice over the last few days um, I mean was it 40-50 million quid being touted as a potential beard South show wants to build a team around a young English core Declan Rice is supposedly on, on his shortlist. I mean, I thought we could
1: say supposedly English for a second. Now. Well, I mean
3: that as well. Uh, <laughs> that that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Would you like to see Declan Rice in a United shirt in the in you know in the near future?
0: I absolutely would love to see Declan Rice in a Man United shirt. Yes, I I don't think he will leave West Ham yet. I think that he recently signed a new contract. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So December I, I think, think. Yeah, I think that. It's I can only imagine thirty him... grand
2: a week, though. To be fair, and I, I, is I it really? That, yeah, I know it seems like a lot, but it, I think for him, it, he'll they'll have to offer him something else again in the summer because he's an integral part of that team. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I, I, he's a funny one, Declan Rice. A, a good mate of mine actually taught him um, and championed him a couple of years ago. I so said, just watch out for this kid because he's going to be really, really good. He's a lovely lad. I watched. I went to the West Ham Brighton game the 2-2 the where you went 2-0 down mm. and, and, and equalised and I just was transfixed on Declan Rice because I wanted to see how he played and in that particular game he didn't have one of his best games but you could see that he's so comfortable on the ball and he, he can just pop it five yards he can he can ping and we saw at the weekend a, a delightful little uh, I think it was Monday night a, a delightful little zinger that he played out wide he fancies himself from range he's now starting to score more goals I I would love to see him in, you know, in a United shirt and 40-50 million in the current climate isn't that much. I think if you were to look at it, he's, what, 19, 20 years old now. If you look at that as an investment for the next 10 years, that's that's good money. Yeah,
1: not bad business at all. Matt, it's been lovely to speaking to you. I'm afraid I'm going to have to put you on the spot with a score prediction for the West Ham game. What are you saying? I'm going to say that United will nick it 1-0. 1-0 one nil. You heard it here first. Matt, thanks ever so much. It was Matt Beadle okay, there, nice. sports journalist and United fan. We've heard the United side of things, and coming up, we'll be hearing how West Ham should set up against United.
0: It's a love sport.
1: This. You are back with the West Ham Fan Show, and there have been some big goals in the championship it's now Brentford two Ipswich nil Ollie Watkins grabbing the second there and a massive goal for Reading it's one nil against League leaders Norwich Miete getting a great goal there. Sheffield United have just gone 1-0 up away at Birmingham and a huge goal for Rotherham in the relegation fight. It's 1-0 to them at home against Aston Villa and Tyrone Mings has been dismissed for two bookable offences. So Rotherham could be on for a massive three points. But turning our attentions to West Ham, it's Manchester United next. Are you confident? Are you nervous? How should the team set up?
2: I'm interested to see how he sets up actually, because I've been. I think I was certainly wasn't the only one in the Everton game to be a bit baffled by the selection, especially the inclusion of Perez. And even last night, I thought it was a bit of a a bit of a bold. Sorry, Monday night against Chelsea, I thought it was a bold move, playing Arnautovic and Hernandez, certainly against away against a, a top six side. That sort of it's on paper that sounds like it shows intent, uh, but I'd be disappointed if we'd done that. Again against United, I think we need to revert back to just the one of the two of them at the head of that at the head of that three, uh, and then you have Lanzini and Anderson. Um, sort of, so I'd have Snodgrass back in back in the team just to a, a game like that against United, just to give us a chance of staying in the game for a longer period of time.
3: Yeah, I think I think Monday night's starting eleven was influenced by apparently uh, Antonio sort of broke down in the warm-up with an injury, I think it was due to start, uh, which then led to Arnautovic starting or Hernandez starting, whichever one you, you, you want to go with. Um, I'd like to see a start with um, with the team that started the second half. You're right with, with Snodgrass in there. I think Snodgrass adds a little bit of energy to our midfield um, and another outlet. Um, and, you know, it, it didn't... It was nice to see that front four start against Chelsea. You know we've been craving for that front four all season. You know with Lanzini involved and um, On and Hernandez and, and Anderson, but it didn't work. Um, and I felt that you know the reason why Hernandez was pulled off because he was just too too isolated up there. Uh, it's not the sort of attacking intent you have when you're away to a team like Chelsea, and I don't think you do the same at Old Trafford. So I'd go with the second half eleven. Uh, that, that face Chelsea, and I think we'd, we'd stand a decent chance. Um, you know, hopefully United get a few a few injuries tonight, uh, not too serious. I'd like to add. Um, <laughs> we're um, not talking
1: full Andy Carroll. No, we're
3: not talking full Andy Carroll. Just a couple of little, you know, a uh, couple of dead legs or something. um Not to De Gea, though, because we don't get many shots on target anyway, so So, don't need to worry about him, but the other key players... I just um, hope they're still in the tie as well, so that they've they've got that
2: Tuesday night game in their head, because in reality, if they're still in this and they've got half a chance, if it finishes 1-0, if they nick one back, then they will be well up for it and so will the fans as well won't they so yep. therefore that will be in their minds whether it affects his squad selection which you think it makes it's Saturday the it's the evening game as well which is just that few hours less of recovery isn't it to then go to Barcelona on the Tuesday
3: yeah I think if they're still in it you're right if they're still in it then the last thing they're going to want is a home game against West Ham United on Saturday they're going to want to go right okay can we play this, this second leg as soon as we possibly can
1: but unless they get really really pumped they are going to still be in it aren't they I mean, the Champions League is a funny old competition. We saw it with them coming back against PSG. We've seen it, of course, with Barcelona coming back themselves on multiple occasions. Anything below four, and they're, they're still going to be thinking mm-hmm. they've got a chance, aren't they?
2: I'd say no, I, I think, with it, especially against a team like Barcelona as well. they You're going to go to the new... If, they, if Barcelona get, I would say, two, it's probably dead. But two they, nil, you're talking. Yeah, if 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 they make it two, but if certainly if they make it three, I think that's that's definitely done because no one goes to the new Camp and has a lot of the ball, do they? And mm-hmm. certainly doesn't go to the new Camp and put and put three goals past Barcelona or four as they'd have to get. If yeah. um, I just I just can't see it happening. So I do hope they're still in the tie at the end of tonight.
3: So one change I would make to that starting eleven, I'd, I'd bring Diop back in um, for ogbonna. Mm. Uh I think ogbonna has been absolutely superb. In recent months, um, since balbuena has been out, but do you think Superb's a bit strong? I think. No, I think. I think. He's, I think he's had fantastic. He's he's played really, really well. Okay, he's not been, you know, he's not been consistently good, but you know, I think that on in the grand scheme of things, uh, okay, we haven't kept many clean sheets, but that's just we never do ever.
2: <laughs> but he's a defender, so is that um, kind of what you judge? But no, about? but I
3: mean, just his overall performances, I think have been very, very good. I mean, don't forget, he's not the only defender on the pitch. Um, and I think, you know, particularly at home, I think he's been, sometimes he's been a bit of a rock. Um, but I think I, I rate the whole Balboa and the Diop partnership. I think that's, uh, defensively, we broke down when Balboa picked, picked up that injury and I think has done well to deputise, But I think now, the Diop rested for a game, time to come back in, let's get that back four settled again. Um, and I think with that, you know, we could, we've got the pace then with Diop to then deal with the likes of Martial, deal with the likes of Rashford. Um, at Old Trafford, I think I think that's the change I'd make.
1: Interesting, and it's that time of the show where I have to put you two on the spot and ask for your score predictions. What are you going for?
2: Two one to United, unfortunately. Okay, I'd like to think we'd uh, do a bit better, but I, I can't see us getting anything to be honest. Oh, it's
3: doom and gloomy, you isn't it. <laughs> <laughs> Always doom and gloom. I'm going to go. I'm going to go two one West Ham. Mm. Yeah, Declan Rice winner. Declan Rice winner, (laughs) putting himself in the shop window. That would double his price tag for the summer for United, wouldn't it?
1: (laughs) Such a cynic. Doom and gloom (laughs) on one side, cynicism on the other. You'll have to join us next week on the West Ham Fan Show.
0: Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com. For all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Lovesport Radio on Twitter.